You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. everybody welcome to we don't talk about that here on the pfc entertainment network i'm jason klaus i'm being joined as i will be each and every time we do this particular endeavor the one and only uh joanna barnes it's good to see you my dear how are things in your neck of the woods oh just peachy keen i'm loving every minute of life fabulous Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> it was a good enough Christmas that I'm 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 able to smile and I have a lot of blessings that I'm thankful for. So it was good. And it's important to keep that in perspective. And as we are embarking or coming out of the holiday season, one holiday to the other, then the next thing you know, it seems like a long stretch before we've got anything else on the horizon of you know, on the calendar, why is it something that's going to be an important day or that's a holiday, you know, coming up to look forward to. Uh, so be that as it may, we now have this to look forward to. And I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit. Uh, this is episode two of the show. Um, Joanna, we talked a little bit about this, uh, I think, yesterday as we're recording this through through text message. You asked me what the numbers were looking like on your pilot episode, and I in, once I went in and looked at them, um, at least from the Spotify um, analytics that I get, this does, this does not include the other platforms that our shows appear on, but it has ranked in the top three uh, most downloaded pilot episodes that I have ever been a part of. So that tells me that we are striking a nerve. We have people's attention. And now as we embark on 2024, the road is wide open for, for you. Are you ready for this ride? Oh, I'm always ready, Jason. Well, we are going to uh, create uh, magic, I feel like, and it starts here Absolutely. today. Um, because we are going to be introduced to yet another new member of the PFC Entertainment Network podcast family. Uh, and, and Joanna, this is uh, when we started talking about 
launching your own show, uh, bringing our next, um, uh, it's not even a guest at this point, more or less your, your other co-host that you're going to be doing the majority of, of this, of, of this show with, um, it was like immediately like this has to happen in order for this to be exactly what I wanted to. So with that, I'm going to turn this over to, uh, to you and allow you to introduce your co-host for your show. Well, I appreciate that, Jason. As always, you know, I appreciate the platform and the ability to be able to share my voice and my story. Um, and for those who are just coming to the show and aren't familiar with our story, this this podcast is about healing through trauma. Um, specifically for my story would be healing through childhood tra- trauma. Um, but any kind of trauma can find its home here. Like you can find some help here no matter what. But um, so there are, de- there are difficult and sensitive topics that are going to be discussed. Um, some of them can be triggering us. Uh, there's not anything that we're going to get into. Like I'm not going to get, nobody's going to come here and get here the dirty details of what happened to Julian or Natalie or whatever. That's not what it's about, but we will touch a little bit about like I can, as I talked about my, the first podcast, I was molested as a kid. Um, it happened and then it continued a long journey of me having different types of abuse happen to me um, until I finally got to a place where I was in a, a healthy relationship and started to look work on healing myself. So and then that, what that journey looked like for me, what I started out in the beginning and, and where I've ended up. And that's kind of why I reached out to Natalie is because I, Natalie has known me for 35 years. Um, it This is not a. a, a a quick one-off friendship. We've had distance times where we've had distance because of her background, which she'll get into, but, um, and then our own lives just getting in, in the way and things, but never a separation of love or caring or thought about each other. Like we've always, every time we come back in each other's lives, it's kind of like no time has passed and we just catch right back up and then we're back right, you know, and then, but this thing, this creation this brainchild of mine this podcast which i know there there are a lot of of other ways that people could go to search for healing but for me this was the best way for me to get my story out there about what i went through and that's why i reached out to natalie because of her background which i'd like her to get into now and go ahead and introduce herself and then tell us where she came from so i'm gonna shut up Wonderful. Bit. Thanks. Throw me to the wolves. I love it. That's what I wish for. Right. Natalie um, George joins us you, here as part of that. I think you can handle it. Again, again. The nerves. The nerves. <laughs> it's like I'm doing therapy again for the first time. <laughs> you know, I get it. Um, uh, so yeah, so thank you so much. Like I'm super excited. Um, and when you obviously you first reached out to me and we started talking about this, I was like, man, that's great. That's such a great idea. This is perfect. This is exactly what people need. And then you're like, and then you, and I'm like, and then me, I mean, I could probably do that. Could I do that? Sure. I could definitely do that. Um, so today the nerves are high though, because this is my very first podcast ever. And normally when I speak in front of a large group to give presentations, still nerves, but next time will be better because now I know. And um, so if I look weird, don't judge me, judge me. or judge me. It's fine. Oh, it's going to judge me. but this is editable, which is a live speaking is not. So that's true. 
That is very true. Um, so yeah, so you imagine you wanted me to kind of introduce myself and talk a little bit yes. about me. Um, <clears throat> so born and raised in Troy, Michigan. Um, like Joanna mentioned, we met in freshman year of high school. I can't believe it's been 35 years. I don't look a day over 22. You don't look a day over 18. So I'm saying fine wine, fine wine here. Um, so I joined. I look like a barrel. You're so cute though. You're so cute. So I joined the military right out of high school. That was my passion. That's what I was going to do from eight years old. I was going to the military. Um, and so I did. And I served 412, amazing, incredible, yet super destructible and traumatic years. Um, I'm proud of my military service. I'm proud of what I did for my country, for what I did for myself. Um, but it didn't come without its own traumatic elements. Um, while I was working on my bachelor's degree about nine years in, um, one of my electives, because I was my criminal justice was my major, because I was law enforcement when I was in the military. So I was going for criminal justice, figured that'd be easy, quick way to get a bachelor's degree. One of my electives was a psychology class. Walked in, teacher started talking, and it was like rainbows and unicorns filled the sky. I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Like, this is magical. I need to know more. So quickly switched my major, finished my bachelor's in psychology and went right into my master's degree. Um, so I have a master's of science in counseling psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy um, from Shamanad University in Honolulu. That's where I was stationed at one point during my career. Um, so why not get a degree from Hawaii? That just seemed to make sense. Um, so once I left the military um, in 2004, completed my master's degree, um, and then from there became an independently licensed professional counselor. Um, I'm licensed in the states of Arizona and Michigan. So that just is different from like a psychologist who has a PhD or a doctorate level, um, and then a psychiatrist who actually has a medical degree. Um, Which I just spoke on the last the last podcast. I said you were a psychologist and you are not a psychologist. And then I and then I took the time to ask you afterwards because that's how I do my research. <laughs> okay, like I love it. I wish I could have that psychologist pay. Right. But right. I didn't I didn't want that psychologist college debt, so I didn't do that. Didn't do that. Um, I've been in the behavioral health field in one way or another since 2005. Um, so going on 20 years. Um, I've worked with a ton of different populations from kids as young as 5 all the way up to adults as old as 81. Um, that was my oldest client. That was my youngest client. So I haven't worked with babies and I haven't worked with anybody over the age of 81 yet. Um, I worked all over the state of Arizona with different jobs that I held, trying to kind of find my niche, like what was going to be my specialty. Eventually I wanted to move into private practice, but I really wanted to know like what was going to draw people to me and why would people come to me? Um, I already knew that I would work really well with military, both active duty and veterans, because I am one. So I speak their language. I understand their struggles in a completely different way than a civilian therapist would. Um, so that just kind of made sense. Um, being 12 years law enforcement, I was like, I can work with first responders, um, with law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, nurses, 
medical professionals. Um, just because again, understanding that first responder side of the house when you like first responder related trauma. Then from there, I'm like, okay, now I need more. Like I need more training. I need more information. I need to understand more. So started taking a ton of trauma trainings in order to really dial in where I wanted to focus on the most with my niche. Because you, you can Google counseling in insert city and you're going to get a million different options out there. Right. But if you dial it in even more, like counseling for PTSD in said city, okay, it's going to whittle it down. It's going to keep whittling it down. Um, so that was essentially my hope and my goal. Um, trying to think, what else? What else was I going to say with that? I don't remember. It went away. That happens. It's a lot that I keep up here in the vault. Um, ultimately, I knew my history, my background, um, where I've been. Um, I had my own set of childhood trauma from probably as young as three is what I can remember, um, all the way up until my like early 40s. So a lot of different trauma across my lifespan. Um, so I knew like, okay, taking pieces of that, kind of understanding that, understanding how trauma works, impacts the body and the brain, um, the reactions, your emotions, all of those things was like, okay, well, I can do this. I understand the military side of the house. I understand the law enforcement side of the house. Now I have the trauma side of the house. This is going to be great. Um, and then my life imploded. So that was always a wonderful. So my life imploded in about 2011. From that, while still doing my job, um, at that time I was working in the county jail. So while still doing my job, I had to find my own therapist. I thought, I can deal with this. Like I fixed it, I'm healed, I've done all the work. I had done no work. Like it's easy to be like, I'm so past that. It happened when I was 10. Wasn't past that because something triggers you, boom, you're right, right back to that scenario, your body, your emotions, everything. So I'm like, okay, I need therapy. Because my education, because of my job, I knew exactly what kind of therapist I needed um, and how I would find that therapist. So I was able to do talk therapy for a little while and then transition to specifically an EMDR therapist, which was like the bee's knees. Like that was the most fucking magical experience. Mm -hmm. Horrific, but also mm -hmm. magical experience. Like it yeah. allowed me to react the next day in a completely different way than I reacted two days prior, which right. blew my mind. And uh, right, it's insane, right? <laughs> it's insane. Oh, incredible. So finished on my um, my EMDR sessions, went back, did talk therapy for a little bit longer. And then we got to a point where it's like, okay, my therapist is like, call me if you need me. Otherwise, you've got this handled. So I'm like, great. So I was able to then go back and work with more traumatic-based clients, um, which was helpful. Um, in 2018, I was able to attend an EMDR training to become EMDR trained, um, which again was fantastic. I didn't think that I could learn more than I learned, I guess, if that makes sense. Like I thought, yeah. 
man, I've got this all dialed in. I'm locked in. I'm good. No, even going through the training, you're put in groups. Um, so you have a partner and you have to work through all the stages. So you have to go through and, and talk about a specific trauma that you remember that maybe you don't think bothers you. And then you have to go through the stages of working through and reprocessing that trauma. I had no clue that there was that one that was still buried deep inside until I went through that training. And after that, opened up even more doors for me emotionally, mentally, um, and just in confidence and believing in myself. So it was fantastic. Um, so I started working with clients in private practice in about 2015 and then started using my EMDR training in 2019. Um, once I completed the program, I noticed an immediate difference in all of my clients. Not that I use all of EMDR with every client, but I'll use parts of it, like resourcing and coping skills is a huge part of it that I use for all my clients, regardless of what their issue is, um, just because it helps kind of calm that sympathetic nervous system down. But being able to work through their trauma systematically and in a way that worked best for them and then being able to see the immediate results and being able to um, effectively live within the immediate results was just mind blowing. Like, and I don't, I don't tear up with my clients and with their stories, um, but whenever I will help a client reprocess through something specifically significant for them in a way that that's like, that's their avoidant one. Like, I'm not talking about that one, no matter what you do. And then eventually I poke with my stick until eventually we talk about that one. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, I'll get super emotional because I'm so overwhelmed by how well it allows clients to work through things in a completely different way. Um, so it was great. So because of my training in 2018, working with clients in 19 and 20 and early 21, I finally had like the courage of myself to be like, you know, what? I'm going to take a fucking bet on myself. I can do this. I can go full time private practice. I can do exactly what I've always wanted to and dreamed about. Like I can do this no matter what I can do this. Um, so I put in my resignation at my job which made a lot of my staff very sad, but they're okay. And transitioned right into my private practice, um, which is primarily based out of Arizona. Um, eventually, it'll be incorporated here in Michigan. Um, just haven't got to that part yet because it's been a busy year. Um, so I went into private practice full-time um, June of 2021. As Joanna mentioned in the first episode, um, I moved back to Michigan. So my mom ended up in the hospital in September of um, 2021, where they officially gave her what I have known for years, um, the diagnosis of Lewy body dementia. Um, so those that don't know, look up Robin Williams' story. He had Lewy body dementia, and that's ultimately what killed him. So because my mom had the Lewy body dementia, her and my dad live alone. Um, the easiest way, because I had the most flexible job, because I can essentially do my job from anywhere, was to be able to come back as often as I could to help. Um, so mom was in the hospital, came home for those three weeks, helped get everything set up. Everybody was good to go. Flew back to Arizona, 
um, the very next day, um, my husband decided he wanted a divorce. I said, okay, because at that point I'd done everything I could possibly do. I wasn't fighting for something that somebody else wasn't going to help fight for either. So called my dad a couple days later, said, dad, moving home. He said, great. Moved home two and a half months later, and I've been here ever since. Um, so I take care of my mom and help her a lot, um, as well as um, working from home and seeing all my clients virtually, since all my clients currently are in Arizona. Um, all said and done, I would relive every experience of my life, all the good, all the bad, all the horrific, if it got me exactly where I am today. Like being able to do this with Joanna, being able to be here for my parents, being the happiest, most confident, most comfortable in my skin person that I could possibly be, I would do it all again. Um, which probably was something I never would have said for a really long time because nobody wants to relive all the shit that you've been through. Nobody wants to deal with it. They would much rather come back as a butterfly or a squirrel or something that's easy and simple. Um, but ultimately, it's led me to be the best therapist that I know how to be, to work with all the vets and the active duty people I've worked with, all the cops, all the firefighters, all the nurses, um, just all the adults with any kind of trauma or any kind of mental health concern that they might have all over again, all over again. Because for me, it was completely and totally worth it. I have a question. I actually have a yes, couple sir. questions. <clears throat> Fire away. Because, you know, you and I met like, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes ago <laughs> right before, <laughs> we, before we came on the air here. Yeah. Um, so I, the one thing about me is, is I need to know, I, I, I like to know what makes people tick, what has driven them to where they are at this point in their lives. And you, you've yeah. laid, you've laid out a very personal story here, which I greatly appreciate. Um, a couple of things though, you mentioned something about childhood trauma things of this nature mm -hmm. and you realize that um you know you can go back to the age of three around the age of three how much of that and how you dealt with that played a role in your desire which you said on here a moment ago was uh, a long time goal of yours to get involved in the military is your desire to embark on a military career was that inspired or in response to the the trauma that you had experienced as as a child that's an excellent question um and yes my my initial goal my reason for joining the military um which i would love to say i was a patriot from the beginning but the patriotism didn't kind of come in until like after my training, but it was to, to leave, to get away from everything that had ever hurt me. And the quickest way I could do that was through the military. I kind of wondered. Say, say, say that again, Joanna. I did, I did mine through pregnancy and I was so jealous and, and envious that I, at the time that, cause I felt like I didn't have the same, uh, physical capabilities that Natalie did to be able to, I had 
a lot of shit wrong with me. They they knew that back then. I I knew that the army be like, <laughs> beat a chick. <laughs> you can't even breathe right. Um, watching you go away was one of those things that was like so hard for us as a kid. But yeah. I didn't know how bad things were for you for a really long time. Um, you just didn't talk a lot about it. And we like, we saw some stuff when we were around, you know, as kids, but I wasn't there when you were really young. Obviously we met when I was like 15. Um, it wasn't until later that I realized how much that must've been a drive for you mm -hmm. to join the military. In addition to your, your love of service and wanting to, to serve your country and, you know, just the integrity of the person you are. So it's interesting that you asked that question, Jason. He yeah. has excellent. Well, it's. Like I'm trying to um, c connect the dots here. Like I've gotten, because you may have noticed when you guys talk, I sit here, I take notes. And and when things pop out at me and I need to know more, that's the inquiry mind of me. And I don't, you know, I'm weird that way. But like, I feel like in in any circumstance, in, in the terms of a conversation, like I want to know why people think the way that they do if they even know why they think the way that they do have they correlated that with some other experience and that's what fuels them because you listen i'll use this as an example a lot of the most successful mixed martial artist fighters are that way because they are channeling a lifetime worth of their own abuse and ill feelings and anger and they have found their constructive way to to manifest all of that emotion with natalie you know when she said from a very early age she had dialed in to the military my first question was you don't well you know you don't hear that very often that a a female is interested at an early age in the military that's just not something that you're used to hearing and I, then later on you said something about the childhood trauma and you know, going back to age three and I'm like, I wonder where, if that's the, the correlation I find. And, and the last thing I'll say, Joanna, and I'll turn this back over to, I don't, I don't want to hijack your show here. Um, good. the fact that Natalie ended her, her kind of, you know, timeline of her story with the fact that she's the happiest she's confident the 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 fact that you got to a space where you rolled the dice on yourself and i have talked about that on on my show on on the flagship show for years now sometimes you got to roll the dice on yourself you have to bet on yourself to, to see if you can and we'll never figure out if we can if we don't push ourselves <laughs> you jump you, you jump into the water it's sink or swim you know what I'm saying? So for you to have done that and to have used words like happy and confident and the best version of yourself, and you would not change anything about all the bullshit that you had to endure to get to this point. This is living proof of what I've been talking about for years now. And people think I'm full of shit, but there's instances and stories like this that lets me and other people know this can be reality. So I applaud yeah. you for, for, for that. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a long, hard journey. And the more that not only like the more that I worked on myself, but the more I worked with clients, um, like I learned something new from every single one of my clients. 
some kind of advice I'll give them and I'll be like, oh, shit, girl, you should probably take that advice for your damn self. Or like, oh, that just struck a chord with me. Okay, why did it struck a chord? What's going on with you? Like, and being able to reassess myself, but then getting to the place where I am where I am in spite of everything that I came from is like, I won the gold medal. Like I couldn't, there's no higher award that I could win because ultimately I'm me all of the time instead of versions for me for every person that I encountered because of the trauma, because of those responses that I felt I had to be for certain people. Like I'm me, you don't have to like me, it's okay. You don't have to listen to me, it's okay. It's not gonna hurt my feelings. It's not gonna impact me. 20 years ago, I would have been a hot shit show of a mess if people didn't like me or I couldn't bend to what they needed me to be. So it's it's fantastic. So I appreciate you asking the questions and I appreciate um, you understanding and kind of seeing, seeing below the surface or pulling back the curtain, so to speak. No, I, it's, it's tremendous. And like I said, it's, it's exactly what I have talked about off and on since I started doing motivational speaking and then, you know, doing the YouTube show, which led to the podcast, which led to the network. And so I, there's a lot of what you said that I can uh, correlate with because I have done that myself just in, in different areas and different aspects. And Joanna, you know, we've talked, you know, off air, on air briefly, you know, everything that you have had to endure, everything that you have encountered has really prepared you for what we're really fixing to to do here and now with the podcast and what the overall intent in this is. And it wouldn't be what it is if you didn't endure that. So if there was any silver lining. I'm a very much a silver lining guy, by the way. Um, if there's any silver lining, that would be it, right? Well, it's it's interesting because prior to me recognizing how much I'd healed and actually being able to like have a conversation with with my daughter or with somebody that really means a lot to me and hear constructive criticism back and not have it hit me in my soul of like, I am a terrible mother or I'm a terrible, not that my trauma brain doesn't ever do that, but I didn't ever have the capability of ever stepping outside of that role and seeing things from a different perspective before my healing. So prior to my healing, I would have said, absolutely not. Was this worth it? I don't give a shit what I've, what I've managed, what I've created, what I've encountered. It doesn't matter. Nothing was worth being raped as a child. Nothing was worth going through that. Now, that I have this podcast and I have so much, it's not even the podcast, it's the healing that's led me to the podcast, but the podcast is a way to, to channel some of that. And now that I have that perspective, that different perspective of looking at it through just the reaction that I got after that first podcast of people reaching out to me saying, you know, I, I've been listening to this and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to give me the courage to go to therapy. Like, this is, this is amazing. This is, I can't wait for the next one. This is already hitting chords with me people reaching out and telling me just how real and raw it felt and that it, it struck a chord with them. All of that, that's the first podcast led me to realize like I have as, as difficult as the road has been, 
the universe had a plan for me. And I didn't have to understand all of it. What I have to do now is make the best of it and try and spread my knowledge and healing wherever I can. And the only way that I I felt like I could do that was to um to be as real as possible with people. So that's kind of where I'm at. And you'll see messy versions of me and you'll see Natalie talks about how you're the same version of yourself. I'm not there yet. Mostly. But you know, sometimes I'm a little more better behaved with certain people than I am with other people. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have my messy days and I have my my great days. But what I never had before that I have now is confidence in myself to do a podcast, to, to have a conversation with somebody that I can highly respect, consider to be a professional in her career, consider to be somebody who absolutely has uh, a wealth of knowledge to share to be able to put myself out there and do a podcast with you, somebody that has the background that you do of notoriety already. So like, I already know you have um, some kind of professional clout. People know who you are, if that makes sense, Jason. I'm talking about Jason there, not you, Natalie. People know who you are too, but talking about the MWO and you know, that those kinds of things tying together. Like I had to think about a lot of that and realize, am I, am I okay with putting all this out there? Right. So I think that me going through it was necessary to get here, but I couldn't have appreciated it if I hadn't gone and no matter what accomplished, if I hadn't gone through that trauma healing first. Trauma healing, not healing. You know, that's something that I have uh I, I've maintained that no matter what journey, what no matter what goal anybody is looking looking to accomplish if you are uh, if you are not willing to go through the shit if you're not willing to put the work in if you're not willing to be all in then number one your success level is not going to be where it could be and number two even if you do achieve some degree of, of success and it was based not a hundred percent on your work ethic or your drive or your determination or your approach or anything if, it, if you're not 100% all in, it's disingenuous. And I feel like, and I have, I have experienced of it enough in my day to where anything that's easily handed to you is just as easily taken away without question. And I mean, a hell of a lot easier in some regards because you didn't earn it. Now, you can incorporate that into just about any realm of life personally professionally it doesn't really matter what i find and you know from my from my position i look at a common theme or a common thread that puts every man and woman under the pfc umbrella and that is legitimacy that is authenticity that is honesty that is transparency and every single person, I don't give a shit what show we're talking about, that individual that is on that show, and this one is no exception, you are going to get the absolute truth, real, raw, honest with every single endeavor. And if your listeners, your fans, you know, if that gets compromised at all, then the entire purpose of this is gone. The cool thing is, is that you guys realize that coming into this, 
It's not a lesson that has to be learned. And it, it just speaks volumes. And I say that because I generally don't try to have expectations, but I have hopes in everything that I do and everything that I am tied to in any way, even if it's just as a producer or a co-host or a contributor or whatever. If, if, I, if I'm involved in it, you have my undivided attention, my focus to make you, make you guys as successful as you possibly can be. Even though I try not to have expectations, I low-key do, I, and I have no doubt that once the wheels start really moving on this, and you guys start putting regular content out there and it gets more attention and you start helping this person or that person, I guarantee, man, like your inbox is going to start blowing up because you are going to change or help a lot of people in this endeavor. And I hope you guys realize that because I essentially have the best seat in the house. I got front row and I am very optimistic and hopeful for what's coming. And it's going to be awesome for sure. That's the goal. I mean, that's definitely both of us coming into this. uh, We were both excited by the print. Natalie and I have conversations that sound a lot like the podcast that we're going to have where we just start talking about therapy stuff, trauma stuff, whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I thought like, shit, we should have recorded that. Like, Somebody should have heard that besides just us, because some of the things that she shares with me are so insightful and thoughtful and and helpful. And then, you know, I I'd like to toot my own horn once in a while and think some once in a while I say something smart too. So, you know, you just never know. But um one of the things that Natalie and I both bonded over too is this. My favorite book, The Body Keeps the Score which I actually have a funny story about this. Um, it's a side note, but somebody asked me, uh, they, had a, they had a shirt on that said, what should I read next? And I said, the body keeps the score. And they yelled at me, I'm not reading a diet book. And um, and I I had to be like, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what it is at all. I'm so sorry. Um, so that's not what it is. But Natalie and I have talked about the value of this book and how much we love it. And Natalie, I think you you talked about how you kind of use it in your practice. Yeah, I've used it or recommended it to probably every single client for the past maybe 13, 14 years. Anybody that comes in that has any kind of stuff, like, and I know if they have stuff, like when they come in and we start talking, I'm like, oh, you got a lot of shit beneath the surface. Maybe you'll want to talk about it. Maybe you won't because not everybody's ready at the same time. So I know when to push and when not to. But when I came across this book and I read this book, I was like, this is it. This is exactly how people who have had any kind of trauma or even struggle with like depression or anxiety or just mood swings in general, like your body keeps track of everything you've gone through in a way that your brain doesn't. Because your brain can only hold so much. Yes, from infancy. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It is incredible. Um, Because 
like I'm getting, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stop. It's really, it's, it's fantastic. I recommend it to every single one of my clients. And most of them are like, is it an audio book? Cause I don't read. <laughs> right. And I'm like, maybe here's the yeah. link. Like I send them just here, go find it, here's read this, listen to it, have someone else read it to you, whatever needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times they'll come back and they're like, I started to read that book. And like, man, that's really good. And I didn't, I didn't know this or this about the brain or this or this about the body. And then they get even deeper into it. And they're like, I chuck that shit across the room. I don't like that book. I don't like that book. I'm like, it's okay. Let it stay across the room. And then go over there and pick it up when you're ready and keep reading. Because everything's right. going to hit every single person in a completely different way. Right. Right. And we kind of talked about... Um... Well, we talked about, there's a challenge, uh, Jason and I were talking about, about this, there's a challenge with finding the right therapist and, and knowing what you need and knowing what kind of therapist you go to. I remember when I, when I found my current therapist, um, which I had already gone and seen a couple of therapists. I talked about this. One of them, I remember distinctly being in the room and I was telling her a, D, a story about like when I was four, something terrible that I'd remembered. And I look over and she's like this. And her eyes are rolling back in her head. And that happened to me twice with her. And I just got up and left. I never went back. And that was, yeah. but she scared me away from therapy so long. Um, instead of me being like, that just wasn't the right fit for me. She right. wasn't the right fit for me. Maybe she's got something physical going on. I took it like a personal, like, and, and because you're so raw and you just don't realize. But I, when I finally got into my, my current therapist, I did the same thing where I went in there and I was like, listen. Every relationship I'm in is in a hot dumpster fire. I don't know what the common denominator is except me. I don't know what's going on. It's not my childhood. I'm over that. It's this stuff here. And he was like, oh, so you've got these like scars here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all healed. And he's like, really? What about, what about that one? And he like picked it and all this shit came out. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? That was healed. And he was like, yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah. You thought it was. But it wasn't. And then when he started, that's when I talked about like the wounds. It felt like going in and getting a wound to breed it every week or every other week, depending on how often I went. And it it wasn't that it was painful, you know, physically or anything, but I would come out exhausted yeah. and mentally, physically, and dealing with that deep trauma, that that really profound stuff. This didn't happen all the time, but some of those sessions were rough. And then the next day or two days later, I was like, you could feel the synapses firing differently. You could feel your brain. I could feel things release in my body. I had knots come out of my body that had been there in my neck and shoulders for years. Mm -hmm. Suddenly one day just released after a certain amount of therapy and me finally unlocking that right piece of trauma. So yeah. that's one of the things we talked about, like in chapter two, they kind of talk about the the journey of therapy, where it's come from. And then they also talk about how important it is to find the right therapist. And I know there was something that you wanted to reference in there. I don't know if it is in relation to that, but um, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Absolutely. And like you said, finding a therapist is not, it's not easy. And there's so many different types and options out there. So it's super overwhelming for people. Um, and like you had said on the first episode, you said I was a psychologist. I mean, everybody will say, are, like, are you a doctor? How to refer to you? Um, and in my brain, I'm like, how do you not know the difference? But then they'll tell me what their job is. And I'm like, I don't, I understood the first word, but I don't, 
And then they look at me like, how do you not know the difference? And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, um, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so being able to do that. And a lot of times because my, like my license is a licensed professional counselor. So then people will say like, oh, I want to come to counseling with you. Um, and then a lot of times they'll, cause I refer, I'll say therapy. So they're like, what's the difference between counseling and therapy? Isn't it the same thing? And I'm like, that's an excellent question. No, it's not. Um, it's like watching a YouTube video to make a fancy meal versus going to like cooking school and learning from the bottom up. Like counseling right. helps you manage day to day, bring a new problem to the table every week. We're chatting yep. about it. We're working through it. Next problem next week. Where therapy digs deep, like I know where the problems are coming from. I know why you're having the emotions and the reactions that you are. So let me just dig deep, pick at all of your scabs, heal them all. And then everything becomes like a day to day check in. But now it's every other month or every few months. Because the level of depth has been achieved versus kind of maintaining the surface which is totally fine because again, not everybody's ready when they're ready. So a lot of people will come in and just want to go here because that's safe. Then as soon as I try to go a little deep, they're like, no. So I'm like, okay, come back up until there's like, we really haven't, we don't have anything left to do other than go deep. And they're like, great. Thanks so much. I'll call you if I need you. I fire you. (laughs) Yeah. Then I'm like, okay. And then It could be two, three, four years later and a client will reach out to me. Hey, do you remember me? Like, I think I'm ready now. And I'm like, excellent. Bring them back in um, and start the whole process. Um, But yeah, it's, and it's like in chapter two, it's like the evolution from the very beginning when they first started putting patients in asylums and treating women who probably had postpartum depression or just PMS is like, we're fucking crazy. So somehow we need to have our brain bled for that. Or we need right. to be stoned because we're crazy when it's our hormones. It's all about our hormones in our body. But back then it was what it was. Um, right. <clears throat> and then with Dr. Vanderkolt, like he was able to, through his journey, kind of look at that because essentially like especially since once medications started coming out, like let's just treat everything with pills or shots or drips. Like that's going to cure everything. That's going to fix all of this weirdness that's happening in people Um, until he kind of realized, okay, wait, this is, this is different. This feels different. People were telling him their stories in a way that he was like, wait, what? Okay. You're not medicated fully. And you're able to kind of tell me all this stuff that happened to you in your life. But then they just keep medicating you. So then you're not reacting. You're not having any emotion. You're not able to really deal with all the things that they had already spilled to him. Um, so he kind of started connecting the dots through his residency. And I don't know all the stages of classes that medical doctors go through. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Because... Um, I should know that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't. Yeah, but you should. I, You're just supposed to be a doctor. Right, I should. I'm totally That's a doctor. 
Um, but what I really like found fascinating, especially in the beginning, when we're talking about hormones, like women's hormones, and they thought we were crazy and we were nuts and we had to be bled or stoned or whatever they wanted to do to us. Once they started kind of testing the hormones of people um, after they did a series of studies on shocking dogs, which blew my mind. Um, but once they realized they started looking at the hormones in people during, before, during, and after a traumatic event. Um, so kind of putting them in a situation um, to where it would raise those stress hormones. Mm. And the more trauma you were exposed to, the less chance that your hormones were going to go from here, because now you're heightened and your whole body is in like fight, 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 flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm. And once the trauma or the danger has passed, like your body's supposed to calm down and go back to like homeostasis, which is great. And it happens for so many people. But the more you're exposed to trauma or dangerous situations, like your cortisone levels stay here. Like they never drop, yeah. they never go down. So you're constantly in a state of fight, fight. I can never say them all. Fight, fight freeze, or fun. And I always freeze on. Right. Now, I want to ask this. Um, my, my understanding, I had a lot of real science-y stuff about that I was going to talk about, and I read it, and it's fucking boring. So I'm not going to talk about all of that. But what I will say is that, um, so there's a lot of different parts of our brain that, you know, Dr. Vanderkolk refers to as like the smoke detector, the watchtower, the cook, where right. messages go, what, there's the high road and the low road and the fast road yeah. and the quick, you know, and, and the slow road and the fast road is like, uh, I hear a gunshot, I dive down to the ground or uh, or a, a pot of boiling water falls off the ground and or falls off the counter and I jump out of the way before I even realize that I've moved versus the slow road is kind of like the house fills up with smoke and you get the opportunity to go, wait a minute, is my house on fire or did I burn dinner before you run out in the road in your underwear? Right. Right. So we have two different paths to be able to send da danger signals. But my understanding with trauma in a nutshell is that we don't store trauma in our long-term memory like we do other memories. It kind of stays in that short-term memory spot. And so that your brain is constantly, because those stress, your, your body has never gotten the signal the trauma ended. Your body has, and your brain's primary function, we know, is survival. It's not, people think it's happiness or that it's rational thinking or whatever. It's not, it's survival. So your brain never got the message the trauma ended. Your body didn't get the message the trauma ended. It's still still creating all these stress hormones that are going through your body, which raise all these things, which can cause physical ailments and autoimmune diseases and sleep disturbances and heart palpitations and all th all kinds of things. And all of these things are happening in your body in such a way that, like, you don't know that this is going on long after it's ended. Right. Right. You have no idea that you're still in a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn state. So yeah. when my, for instance, I'm home, I used to be like this. I would know Keith was home. That's my husband. No, he was home. No, he was coming up the stairs. He'd be, I'd have the door closed in the bedroom. He would open the door kind of fast. And I'd be like, <gasps> and scream my head, knowing it was him. He was home. He was, because I was in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So okay. my body reacted immediately with, that panic instead of me being able to, to have that slow road, right. Of wait a minute, what's happening. 
processing all of that. And so those memories sit in that short-term memory, ready to be activated anytime by any trigger, by any stressor, and then you're flooded. You know, and that's not even talking about a flashback. That's just like, why do I feel uncomfortable? Why is my skin not feel right? Why do I feel weird? Because I saw that grandpa touch his granddaughter's back too low. You know, things like that, that trigger those uncomfortable memories. And not that anything had to do with my grandpa, by the way, that was just an example, but um, not that it just triggers those kinds of, and that's, you don't know what a trigger is. That's why it's called a trigger, right? Right. You don't know it and you can't predict it most of the time. I mean, there are certain things that I would know would trigger me, like screaming at me, coming at, charging at me, that kind of stuff. Until I got through trauma therapy, though, I could not control my reactions. I had zero control. It wasn't that I didn't want to control them. I could not do it. And I kept blaming myself. I had such shame and self-loathing. I felt like I couldn't do so. Why couldn't I do this right? I was long past the trauma. I'd gone through all these years of therapy counseling, not therapy. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went to EMDR therapy and some of that, I started processing all that. Like my startle reflex has dropped probably by 80%. Now I didn't work on that. Also my arachnophobia, almost completely gone. I didn't work on that, but it's mm-hmm. because I was in such a state all the time from the original trauma that the other traumas, you know, were like, they make, we were so much bigger. It's yeah. like when, you know, it's just like when you have an exhausting day at work and then you, you have a terrible drive home and then you get home and the, your key breaks off on the door and, and then you finally get in and you're like, just, ah, and then your partner says just the innocuous thing and you go off on them. It's that buildup. That's yeah. what trauma kind of does to you too, you know? And if you're in that state and you can't calm yourself down, like it's a fucker. It's a, it'll fuck you. Absolutely. And that can lead to people doing all sorts of unhealthy behaviors, excessive drinking, drug use, overeating, body image stuff, controlling what's coming in, working out too much. Like it can gambling, controlling others, sex addiction. Absolutely. Like you're looking for any way to control what you can't control without Mm -hmm. realizing that you're not in control that was weird did you that was very weird i have no idea what that was that has never happened before that was amazing i really liked what you were saying it was like i mean i am fucking magical so my hands i i like i've been sitting here i'm like i didn't see your hands move i'm like what in the hell just triggered that that was really really weird that was very cool it was unicorns and rainbows, man. Unicorns and rainbows. I'm just saying, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Trauma so support. that's kind of, in a simplified way, like that is kind of what's happening in your brain. And then the Dr. Vanderkolk does such an amazing job of explaining the different areas of your brain, what they do, what they mean, in a in a really yeah. simplified way for, mm-hmm. you know, for a scientific book. It, it really is um, digestible. But it, I remember reading some of it and being like, oh, this is why I startle. Or this is why, you know, like, like it was so many aha moments reading that book, just getting through the physiology part of it, because I did not comprehend that one thing correlated to 
another or to my trauma or even right. to something that happened to me days or, you know, hours before or weeks or whatever. Like, it's just, it's really crazy. Absolutely. And they started like just over medicating people because that seemed yeah. to be the easiest route. And like, even today, like if you're anxious and you go to your PCP, your primary care provider, and you're like, I'm just like, my stomach's in knots. Like I'm getting really nervous. Like I'm really anxious. I won't say 10 out of 10 times. I'll say eight out of 10 times. Here's a pill. I'll see you back in a few weeks and we'll check and see how it's doing. And then here's a dose increase and here's a dose increase and here's a dose increase. Those two out of 10 doctors might be like, you might want to consider some counseling. Like here's well, some resources in the area. Right. And it's like, if we from jump, someone experiences any kind of depression or anxiety or mentions a flashback or anything of any nature, it would be ideal if their thing was like, here's a list of resources in the area. Before I put you on medication, I want you to go and start talking to somebody. Because talking to somebody may not, you may not need medication once you kind of have someone that understands and gets it, starts helping you work through it. Versus now I'm on medication. I've been on this medication for years. Maybe I find my way to therapy through luck and leprechauns, but I don't really know if I want to come off this medication, even though my therapist says like, I think, you know, you're like, let's titrate it down. Like talk to your psychiatrist, see how they feel about it. But there's that disconnect. Like psychiatrists mm -hmm. aren't talking to therapists as much as they could. Psychologists the same, like nobody's communicating as much as they could in order to really see and accept mental health as part of health. Like it, yeah. you should see a therapist just as much as you need to go get a pap smear or a colonoscopy or like your annual checkup. Like it should all be included in one, but it's still not. And here we are about 27 seconds away from 2024. Um, so what I really like about Vanderkolt was that he was able to be like, we could probably treat some of this stuff without so much medication, or let's mm -hmm. decrease some of the medication and see what kind of work we can do to help these clients so that they're able to function better in society and not just be medicated and locked up until they got rid of hospitals and then they just flooded the streets. Right. And well, and Dr. Vanderkolk, he doesn't he doesn't say it this way, but this is kind of how I've paraphrased it. He talks a lot about emotions and yeah. they're important. And people are afraid of emotions a lot of times. They're afraid to feel them. They're yeah. called negative emotions. And I personally have this belief that there are not negative emotions. There yeah. are only messengers. Emotions might feel bad, but they are literally trying to tell you something that your body perceives that it needs. It doesn't mean that it does need it, but your body perceives it needs it. And that is your brain, again, trying to keep you alive. It's trying survival. That's, yeah. that's that whole, you know, like, Avoiding emotions, but trying to control your environment and all that, that's your brain trying to keep you alive, trying to keep you from ever feeling like you did during that trauma. Right. So it's trying to protect you in any way it can. And it starts coming out in all these different, because if you don't give trauma a safe outlet, it's going to come out somehow. Oh, absolutely. Somehow. It's going to come out. Either you can control it 
and decide how it will come out and deal with it and feel completely different on the other side once you've done the hard work. Or you can not and try and pretend like it's not there and it will control aspects of your life, whether you realize it or not, it will. And you you don't realize until you change something, but you know, it takes a lot. Like uh, none of us are going to come in here and say therapy is easy. Any of this, any of this stuff is easy. It's, but nothing worthwhile, in my opinion, that I've ever found in my life, nothing worthwhile didn't take some hard work on my part. Yeah. And this kind of healing is not something somebody can take away from you. Once you have learned these tools and you have them in your toolbox and you've done the healing and you've done the work, like I go into my therapist, now my EMDR therapist, and she'll say, you know, what are you here to work on? And I'll say, well, I had this meant this thing, but I'm not here to work on a project. I'm here to build my toolbox. Yeah. So let's start with that. But wherever we go from there, that's and she'll go, well, do you want to circle back? No. Where we go from there is where my brain needs to go right now. And I'll learn tools along the way that I can take with me. That original thing might still be something that I didn't get a chance to fully deal with. But now I've got different tools. Mm-hmm. So when I get home, I don't have to wait until Friday and my therapy appointment to be able to be like, so what do I do? And this happened. I can go into him and be like, now, hey, Dave, so this is what happened. This is how I dealt with it. Uh, this is where I think I fucked up. This is where I think I need some help. And I'm done talking. Now you go. And he gets to talk back to me and give me advice that I actually listen to and then follow through with. And then I end up getting the benefit of it through my healing. Um, But it's a long time to figure out like that was the way. So, and I had to accept those emotions. The only way out is through. Those emotions have to be felt. And the, the less you fight them and add a story to it, like, and just feel like I'm sad or I'm angry or whatever, just feel it. And not, I'm sad, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and that's going to No, I'm sad. And you just feel it. The faster your body's going to process it, kick it out, and you can get back on online again mm-hmm. and start functioning. Because we can't think right. We can't function right when, when, our, when all our systems aren't lined up and, and working harmoniously. So, Absolutely. That's what it's I like learned from Dr. It's like having too many apps open on your phone. You're wondering why yeah. your phone's running slow. You have too many right. apps open. Same thing in your brain. Too many apps are open. We need to go through yeah. and systematically close some of them that don't need to be open. Clean out the infection or the viruses, if you will, so that what mm-hmm. you're left with is all the healthy apps in order for you to then deal with things day by day. I'm old school, so my brain's a library. It started off as a real dusty old like side closet with like, I pictured I had boxes with chains that were bulging and everything was trying to get out of them. We would go in and every week I would go in and I would like sweep up in my EMDR. And it was one of my, my visuals that I would use and I would go in and I would sweep everything up. And now I built myself a whole new annex and it's got like all these encyclopedias and it has all those memories that used to attack me. Well, those are still there, but now they're in a place where if I want to access them, I can. I can go down there and access them. They do not have permission to attack me anymore. I can close that annex if I need to it. And I'm not dissociating, which is something that happens in trauma where you just don't feel anything and you just feel like you just kind of disconnect from your body and from everything, right? I mean, I think that's a good way to describe it. A dissociation is just kind of disconnecting from reality and from what you're experiencing in your body. So you can sit there and talk about a traumatic event with no emotion, but you don't heal it. Why? Well, finally gotten to a point where I can talk about a traumatic event without emotion, but it's because I did heal it. And now I'm just pulling out the encyclopedia, flipping to where the page is, giving the advice, closing the book back up and 
put it back on the shelf and I walk away right. and carry it. With me. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It's very cool. I love my yeah. job. Every day I love my job. I love your job too. I don't want to do it though. I want to, I'm, I'm good with a podcast. <laughs> I give friends advice. And if they, if they don't listen to me by like the third time, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, I'm like, yeah. I mean, maybe if I got paid, it'd be different, but I don't think so. <laughs> Good time. Especially, when, and I'll be like, well, you can try it that way. Let's see what yeah. happens. We're different. You are very different from when we were in high school. Um, that's something that I can, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure I am too, but you are wild. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was a perfect fucking angel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you oh, you remember my mom's car? That's all I'm gonna say. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, we were angels. You were like, I think it's my dad. Perfect angels. We were perfect, perfect angels. But it's that kind of relationship that's allowed us to build this kind of relationship so that we can help each other and, and help other people, hopefully, along the way. Absolutely. So I'm just super grateful for you, and I'm super grateful we've reconnected. Me too. Me too. Coming Home has had nothing but positives, despite right. living in that's snow. Right. <laughs> living in snow. Like once yeah, you I left at 18, I lived nowhere where there was snow. Wow. Until I moved back home in And now you've come back to where it's like snow central. Yeah. It is. But now I own flannels. Now I wear tennis shoes and in my jeans again. Like you have a Jeep? I do have a Jeep. I wear hoodies yeah. all the time. Like I fully integrated back into being a Michigander. Um, yes. Yes, so, you have. You know. Well, it's not like you didn't ever come up here and demand your that you have your Fago and your uh, better maids and like you never okay. forgot Michigan. You needed all that stuff. So, yeah, okay. I remember. But you know, it was it was because of our friendship actually that I ended up. We we talked about medication. I actually do take medication. Um, I take two antidepressants and I take uh, an anti-anxiety medication. Now I take that because of COVID surgeries. And then I had some family trauma that was more recent that you know about that I went through that just, oh, fuck me for a loop. Yeah. Now things are getting better. And that medication has helped me through, but it doesn't mean that I'll be on it forever. Some of it I may need forever, but because right. um, I have tried to go without, a, I have tried to do a medication try where I do take nothing. I did that for six months and um, it, was not, it was not good. Um, yeah. But you know, as you heal things, things change. and. I'm already to a point now where we're starting to titrate down my anti-anxiety medication. I've only been on it for about a year. So it's not like I've been on it for a really long time. The, the Wellbutrin that you recommended to me, that was several years ago. And I stayed on that for a long time. And then they finally added in Rexalti fairly recently. And that was like, okay. that was the thing that like made things go, oh, it was the extra bump I needed to get that Wellbutrin to give me the full efficacy, you know, but everybody's okay. different. And that was the benefit of having a psychiatrist instead of a PCP prescribed for me. I'll say that too. I know that you can go to your primary care and get prescriptions and I'm not telling you to do that, but your psychiatrist is who is trained to know which medications are going to work the best for which conditions and to 
be able to look for those side effects and things that your primary care may not be as as uh, aware or up to date in. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm like 100% pro medications. Like I'm I know not you can't. saying that nobody should ever take them. I'm just saying like there are other things that we can incorporate with medications, whether it's 100%. before the medications, during the medications, or after the medications. Um, because a medication is not a cure-all. It's not going to fix it for the rest of your life. It will not. It uh, it is a band-aid effect, and that's that's one thing that I had to learn with the trauma. Like I I felt that I felt better with the medication, but I didn't feel better right. until I did the work trauma therapy. And mm-hmm. you, as you know, I did EMDR therapy, but then I also did CPT therapy, which is another another type of trauma therapy, uh, cognitive processing, and it's similar to things that they use in like talk therapy therapy with the CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, but, um, a little different, like you, you pick a trauma and you, you drill down on that. And there are assignments you have to follow and it's a 12 week course. And I have an app that I follow and I do worksheets and stuff. And I mean, I'll have moments where I'm like, everything's my fault. I'm terrible. And I'd be like, Oh, I gotta go do a worksheet. But you know, I don't, yeah, I have tools now. That's the difference. Like, it's not that I never have the episodes. It's that I have the tools to to manage them now on my own without relying on an outside source. And that gives you so much um, autonomy and and sense of pride and yeah. sense of healing and growth and wellness and well-being and mindfulness to just be able to be like, oh, my God. I can be mad right now and not freak out like I can. <laughs> this is, you know, this is what being calm feels like. Holy shit. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Absolutely. You're able to have your own power and control back in a way that you maybe never had it to begin with. Yes. And maybe didn't realize that you didn't have it until you finally get it. And you're like, oh, that's what it feels like to not have it bother you when somebody calls you fat or, you know, something like that. Like, yeah. oh, that's what it feels like to not really, to actually not give a shit. Weird. So. I love it. I love it so much. This is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. But Jason, I don't know where we're at on time, but I don't Uh, want to. We just, uh, we just crossed the hour mark on this. And by the time we we put the bells and whistles on, it'll probably clock in around the 115, 120 mark on here. Okay. Um, I, I was just sitting here listening. (laughs) Like I said, I, this is, one of, one of the best parts of the job is I get to sit here and and listen to you two go back and forth. And while I'm like a couple the the apps on the phone analogy, like there's mm-hmm. going to be a demographic of people that tune into this that are instantly going to pick up on that. And that that just that registered. And they're on the flip side of that. The other analogy of you know, the library and, and, and all of that stuff that Joanna was, was alluding to. There's an, the opposite side of that pendulum is going to re- react to that. So what's cool, and it was not lost on me when it happened, whether you realize you're doing it or not, you are making your examples and your stories relate to anybody and everybody that's tuning into this, regardless of what, how old they are, what they are, what color they are like, none of that bullshit matters. You are, you are relaying your, your stories and your messages in a way that's going to resonate with anybody tuning in. 
And that is the little nuances that's going to set this apart from any other show. Number one on this network. And number two, that are similar podcasts that tackle with similar subject matters. Because usually, and I've done a little bit of research, you know, you you dial in, like if, if a podcast host does not keep my attention within a 10-minute span, I check out, right? Because it's too scientific or I don't understand. I'm not the demographic, whatever the case may be. You guys are across the board. And as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this, I'm like, the longer these two talk, the more you are forming that foundation to the success of what this show is going to be, what you hope it to, to be and what it will ultimately be, become. So, I mean, for episode two, I mean, episode one, we, we laid the foundation. This one, we, we laid, the, we laid another layer to, to that with Natalie being brought in and introducing her and give, you know, letting her kind of tell her backstory as what is bringing her to, to the proverbial table. And it's going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. I can't wait for so next week's show. I want to focus. It'll be just me. If you remember you and you and I, and mm-hmm. um, next week we're going to focus on that coat that I sent you. Yes. Um, it's an, uh, it's an anagram that I came up with Natalie um, cope that helps me cope with therapy. And uh, it's, it's basically like, the C is, you know, to characterize it, characterize what the issue is, what your problem is, or what is bothering you, try and find what, or to call out what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <clears throat> the O is to open yourself up to new thoughts and possibilities for how to heal yourself. Um, the P is to make a plan and to execute that plan uh, as best as you're able. And the E is to exonerate yourself for when you make mistakes, healing. Uh, along the way and um what for what you didn't know before you healed yeah and that's how i cope with my trauma we're going to talk about that next next uh session we'll talk you know more in depth about what that means for me and what it's looked like and how that that kind of came to be for me very cool very cool it is it's gonna be and i think and i told you that when when we when we were messaging back and forth about that Seeing it laid out like that is going to put it in a different perspective. And, 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 I, and I think that's what I appreciate most about the both of you in your approach. Kind of piggybacking what, what I said earlier. The way you guys are bringing your knowledge to the table is going to allow other people to identify with it. And when people identify with something, they're going to be more open to actually pay attention to it instead of looking at it in a negative tone as because people have a negative stigma about therapy or counseling or anything like this because they don't understand it and they feel like they're being belittled or talked down to. I've talked to people about this. Why don't you go to therapy? Why don't you go talk to somebody? And more often than not, those are the reasons why. When you break it down the way that you two just here today lets me know that you are going to be able to attract an audience because you're talking to the audience, not at the audience. Yeah. Big damn difference. Would, would you agree with mm-hmm. that? Yes. hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it, the people resonate with the most. 
<clears throat> yeah, and uh, we are, uh, you know, we're scratching the very tip of the iceberg here. You know, we're just yeah. now getting started, so it's going to be very, very cool here in the coming weeks. And um, by the time this show drops, and I know I said it when we recorded the pilot that uh, this show was going to get its own Facebook page. I'm actually, it's on, it's on my list here, Joanna. I have a list here today of things I needed to get accomplished that launching your own pages um, and you will have full access, full, full control over that. Um, so people can, will have a designated space to come to, to communicate with you, with Natalie you know, with anything that could, you know, feedback, show topic ideas, questions, comments, that type of thing, right? So cool. you guys will have your own, um, your own space. Actually, you practice about to blow up. I know, man, I'm special as shit. As we put a bow on this episode, is there anything either one of you would like to say before we, we get out of here this week? I'm just, I'm super grateful and blessed beyond belief to have been able to reconnect with you, Joanna. And like you said in the very beginning, like, even though we didn't talk, anytime we did talk, literally no time had passed, which Mm. is like, okay, that's, that's true friendship. Like, I know that I can talk to you about anything and I'm not going to be judged. Like, I'm not going to be belittled. Like, I can just like I could back in the day, like anything and everything. Um, I mean, it's a different kind of judging though. Different kind right. of judge. Like I'm going to judge your footwear always. Right. Right. But that's of course. Um, but I'm telling you what I'm judging you about. Anyways. So yeah, super grateful, super blessed to be a part of this, to be back in your life, to be able to be doing this and coming from a very different perspective than so many other podcasts that I've, attempted to listen to um that i i think this is fantastic i'm excited for your brainchild to blow the fuck up i'm excited for it too and i'm super grateful that you said yes especially with everything on your plate you know that you you said yes because uh, i do think that we can make magic together the three of us together with this i think it's a great platform um basis but i also think that we you and i have a good chemistry so i think it'll work well We've always made each other laugh, and that's helpful. Yes, definitely. Well, I'm excited about it, and I, like I said, I I get the the best seat in the house. I I get front row, so I'm here for it. I got popcorn ready. I'm ready to roll. So it's gonna be cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you have questions, comments, feedback of any kind at this point, you can always send it to the PFC Entertainment Network page on Facebook or close to the heart at gmail.com is the official email uh, for the network. And uh, check out our online store, cafepress.com forward slash PFC Network. I have a feeling, not a, I'm not a fortune teller, I don't have a crystal ball here. But I feel like by the time this show, aren't we cute? <laughs> I feel like by the time this show drops, smart ass, you will have your own merchandise store on the online store. But if you keep that stuff up, I may have to make you wait a little bit longer. I don't know. <laughs> hey, man, I'd rather be a smart ass than a dumb ass. So yeah, I'll take it. There, there you go. 
There you go. And with that, we'll get out of here. Go out this week. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we'll see you next time right here on Shh. We don't talk about that here on the PFC Entertainment Network.